Today we start a new series called Wind and Fire, and we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I live in a community, maybe your community is similar to this, that a few years ago, there was a power outage, so I called Duke, and this is not to be a slam on Duke or anybody else. If you work for him or if you think I'm doing that, I apologize right off the bat. But I called up and said, you know, when can we expect the power to be back on? They said, oh, we're working diligently at it. Uh, we'll, we'll let you know. I said, that's really great. It was off for a long period of time. So I called back in again and said, hey, when can I expect the power to be back on at the house? And I got this dear voice on the other end said, oh, oh. We're, we're announcing every hour at the top of the hour on television. You'll find out. <laughs> wait, wait, the power's out? How am I supposed to get the television, right? I mean, that's the kind of stuff and gibberish that we get sometimes whenever we ask questions. And I began to think that that's often how I answer questions around the Holy Spirit. I don't really listen to the question itself. And then I just kind of make it up as I go along, Right. I mean, that, that's the whole challenge here. Uh, the reality is my home can't function without electricity. And the reality for you is you cannot function as a Christian without the Holy Spirit in your life. Well, let me just remind you of that. Because oftentimes, because he is the third person, third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we don't talk much about him. Oh yeah, we talk about God. We realize he's the creator. He's the father. We talk about Jesus. He's the son. He's our savior. But this Holy Spirit, he's kind of questionable to us. We don't, can't really get our hands around him at times. And so I, I want to be doing that here over these next four weeks as we pay attention to that. There, there are two things that, that I'm aware of about the Holy Spirit, and that is that we often don't listen to questions well when people are asking us about him. And the second part, if we're ever missing the Holy Spirit, we can't get anything done. You see, that, that's the challenge for a number of us, is that the Holy Spirit may be a little hard to understand, and because he is, we ignore him. If you're here today and you're not a believer in Jesus, can I, can I just ask you to hang on and, and stay in here? One of the reasons that sometimes your life is, is struggling is because, A, you haven't decided to follow Jesus yet, but second, this power, the Holy Spirit, is not in your life. So be aware that things change when you become a Christian. So hang on, listen, pay attention as we go through here. When I read about the Holy Spirit in the Bible, I'm struck by the fact that we are utterly dependent on this person. And we're utterly dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit. We're utterly dependent on the promise of the Holy Spirit. We are utterly dependent upon the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because you see, without him, there would be no church. There would be no followers of Jesus. There would be no work of God done. The change that we see between the Old Testament and the New Testament is that we had the Holy Spirit And he would do specific things throughout the Old Testament where we didn't have the promise of him, we didn't have the ongoing presence of him, and we didn't have the ongoing promise of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That was new when Jesus rose from the dead. And and, and to be be aware that there'd be nothing done without the Holy Spirit, I'm reminded of a quote by A.W. Tozier many years ago, and he wrote this. He said this, If the Holy Spirit were withdrawn from 95% of the church today, or excuse me, if the Holy Spirit were withdrawn from the church today, 95% of the the work that's being done by the church would continue to go on, and no one would notice the difference. 
But in the first century, if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the church, 95% of what they did would not have happened. And everyone would have noticed the Holy Spirit wasn't there. Sometimes whenever we struggle in this life, it's because we have not leaned into or allowed the Holy Spirit to lean into our lives. And so over these next four weeks, we want to dive deeply into thinking about this Holy Spirit. I mean, what about White Oak? If the Holy Spirit would leave here, would you notice? Would we still be able to do many of the things that we do? Turn the lights on, have a band, have somebody stand up and speak? Or would we be powerless to do the things? And would people around us notice? Because the Holy Spirit is this critical character in the New Testament, especially as we've talked about being made for more and the gifting that God's given to you and the power that God's given to you to, to live this life. We wanted to follow up the Made for More series with a conversation about the Holy Spirit. We didn't want to leave him out. We don't want him to be just this uh, third wheel, if you want to say that, on our bicycle. We want him to be an important part of all of our lives. We chose this series title, Wind and Fire, because oftentimes those are the words that are used to describe the Holy Spirit in the Bible. In the Old Testament, the word is ruach, ruach. If you're a good Hebrew, you got to put that in there or you don't have a good Hebrew word, right? Where's Sarah Fudge? She's sitting in here because she was my Hebrew teacher. And I was ruach. Kind of gets right there. That's the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Excuse me. The New Testament word is pneuma. Both of those words mean wind, or they mean breeze, or breath, or in many cases, gale of wind. It's not just this little, but it's this, this strong, strong wind. The Holy Spirit is, as I said, the third person of the triune God. He's co-equal and co-eternal with God the Father and God the Son. And sometimes he's referred to in the ways that we understand his personality and his character, Holy Spirit. And sometimes he's referred to in a way that emphasizes his work and his power, spirit of truth, word of God. Some of those kinds of things come about. But he's never referred to as a depersonalized it. See, sometimes I remember in a conversation with folks about the Holy Spirit, they will say, you know, when it happens in my life, when it goes on, and I go, oh, it makes me cringe. He, he's a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. And we'll take a look at that in a few minutes. And we'll also recognize that he's divine. I just want to give you some of the ways in which the scripture tells us those particular things. We want to talk about each of those over these next four weeks. Because you see, the purpose of this series that we're beginning today is to bring you into a knowledge of the Holy Spirit in order that you might have a full, rich relationship with him. That, that he's not just kind of an afterthought, but that he is a part of your everyday life. It's my desire to present his glory and beauty that you will seek to yield your life fully to him and that you might know his grace and his love and his power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's my prayer that you also would come to a very vivid and glorious experience with the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. It's important that we realize that Holy Spirit is a person I mean, if you think of the Holy Spirit only as an essence or a breeze or as a power, it's very difficult to develop any kind of meaningful relationship with him. If you think of the Holy Spirit as an impersonal force, an unintelligent power that permeates the universe, kind of a Star Wars idea, then you really can't love him or call upon him 
in your hour of need, in your time of need. So here's our big idea for these next, for today particularly, but I think about for the whole series, and it's this. Know and be known by the Holy Spirit. Now be aware right off the bat that you're already known by the Holy Spirit. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, Holy Spirit knows who you are. But you can know him too. And that's what the Bible tells us that we're to do. We're to be known by him and to know him. So I want to show you that the Holy Spirit is a person, that he is God. And because we talk a lot about God the Father and God the Son, Jesus, sometimes we just run past the Holy Spirit in our conversation. Instead, over these next four weeks, we want to dive a little deeper. We want to draw back the curtain and shine a light on who the Holy Spirit is. And why is this important? It's important because he's been sent by the Father at the request of Jesus to come alongside you to help you. Jesus said this in John 14, 16. It's on the screen. And I will ask the Father. He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. You see, there in John chapter 14, the disciples know that Jesus is, has been telling them that he's going to die and he's going to leave them. And they're very concerned about what the future would bring. How are they going to be cared for by God? I mean, here's Jesus who's walked along beside them over these three years and they've been able to touch him and know his presence in their life. I want you to notice that Jesus describes the Holy Spirit and that you can be assured that he is a person. And let's just don't move from this text. Just look at it again. It says this, that I'm going to ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Now this word another is important because there are two words that could be used in the Greek for another. One is the word hetero, like in heterosexual meaning one of a similar kind. And we use that to describe the difference between male and female, but we're still homo sapiens, so we're one of another similar kind. But the second word in the Greek is alos, A-L-L-O-S, and that means another of the same kind. It's even a stronger word than the word for identical twin. So it's another of the same kind. Jesus is saying, I'm going to send you another of the same kind as me. And, and that's so incredibly important here. This is strong. I mean, do you get the picture? We can understand what the Holy Spirit's like by the way Jesus acts in the New Testament. We can understand how the Holy Spirit operates when we see Jesus' life, even though the Spirit is separate and distinct. And as a result, the Holy Spirit is never impersonal. He's never an it. Here's the second thing that he says. I'm going to give you another advocate. The word advocate here is important to us as well. It's one who would stand alongside. It's the word paraclete, meaning uh, called alongside. And, and other translations use this word comforter here, another comforter. If there's one thing Jesus seeks to establish for the disciples, it's that he will not leave them alone. He's leaving, but they're not going to be left alone. There's another comforter, one who will walk along beside you, one who will be there when you need him. Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit is more than a force. He's more than an essence. He's more than an energy. He is essential, and we can be in relationship with him. And notice how he ends that little passage. Because you see, the disciples knew that he was leaving. They were very concerned. And it says very simply this, who will never leave you? Strikes the chord of Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus says, and I will be with you always to the end of the age. 
Jesus is with us, but he's also sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. So we have this person of the Holy Spirit. I mean, when I read that, I realize that he will never leave me, that he is relatable, that he knows me, that he sees me, that he wants to be with me. I I love that reckless love song because that's all about God wants to be with me and the way in which he's with me here in this New Testament age is as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I read this recently, these words that says, you can't understand the most important things from a distance. You have to get close. You can't, you can't understand the most important things from a distance. You have to get close. And that's what God does. He sends Jesus to be close to us as our Savior. He sends the Holy Spirit to be in us because God understands everything you're walking through. God doesn't just look down upon us and say, oh, yeah, I can't understand what's going on here. God enters in through the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is amazing. There is no other, quote, religious teaching that says that kind of thing about God. All the others, we're trying to reach God and hope that he pays attention to us. New Testament, Christian, God says, I'm coming to be with you, to be in you, because I understand, because I am close. And and a relatable thing has several characteristics, right? I mean, you read through the New Testament, you find this out about the Holy Spirit. You find out that you can lie to the Holy Spirit. You find out that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. You find out you can insult the Holy Spirit, as you read in the book of Hebrews. But the reality is you can't offend someone who's not a person. I mean, have you ever yelled at Siri or Alexa? And had her respond. Let's see what happens if I do that here. Come on. Hey, Siri, you're ignorant. I don't have an answer for that. Is there something else I can help you with? See, she never gets upset. Because she's not anything. Same thing with Alexa. Go home and try this. It's dangerous, but go home and try it. You know, you'll be okay. Oh, this one says here. I'm just curious. Is there something I can help you with? I'm not sure I understand. No, you don't. Okay. God does. That's not Siri, right? I mean, there's great illustrations. Just throw this thing away. By the way, make sure you turn the microphone off because there have been times when Siri's answered me when I wasn't talking to her. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. My kids used to do that too. (laughs) Oh, well, never mind. Moving right along. We have a friend in the Holy Spirit. It's easy for us to sing the song, we have a friend in Jesus, right? You know, what a friend we have in Jesus. But the reality is we have that same friend in the Holy Spirit. It's like we have double because we have Jesus presence. We have the Holy Spirit in us. God loves us so much. And so we're going to learn about his promise, his presence, and his power in this series. But that's all predicated on the foundation of him being a person. His being a person. And because he's like Jesus, he is personal. He is spiritual. He is uncreated, just as Jesus. Now, from these passages, we can safely conclude that the Holy Spirit is indeed a person, possessing all the characteristics of personality. And as a person, he can be known. And as a person, you may develop a relationship with him. And as a person, you can come into close, intimate fellowship with him. He's not someone to hold off. And as a person, you can commune with him. 
So whenever we have this time of communion every week, I think about the fact of what Jesus has done on my behalf and him being the Savior. But I also think about the fact that I am coming here to commune with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And one of the reasons we we do stations occasionally or often is so that you get a chance to get up and to walk into that relationship. It's very symbolic in the fact that you get to walk up and greet God, so to speak. I want you to think about that every time that we have communion, that I get an opportunity to come to God's table. He invites me to his table. It's not just something that's passed by me. Now, we'll do that occasionally too. But that's the picture that we're trying to get in, into our heads. I need to stop for a minute. Whew. I just saw Gene and Art Cott sitting back here, and I haven't seen you guys in church. Oh, my goodness, this is such a blessing. Wave, would you wave over there? They have not been feeling well, but both of them are well into their 90s, and I'm just glad they're here today. Can we say hi? Can you just kind of clap for them? They have made such an impact on people's lives. Art is a teacher at Cincinnati for many, many years. And Gene, who's been a part of our Celebrate Recovery ministry to encourage people to, to move into wholeness. Sorry, I had to call a commercial there. I just had to stop for a minute. Wow, it's so good to see you guys here today. Uh, they've had the Holy Spirit in their life and continue to do. And look at the power and the way in which he's working. And now I see David Robertson sitting back here. It's like commercials everywhere. Hey, David and Monica, let's see. Yeah. Come on, you can wave. We want to see you guys. Yeah, there you go. Uh, where was I? No, I'm just kidding. This is amazing. God, God just is tricking me all over the place today. Wow. That's part of the Holy Spirit, man. You never know what he's going to do. And I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. Yeah. Our big idea, know and be known by the Holy Spirit. That can happen. And here's something even more important. The Holy Spirit is divine. He is God. I don't want you to leave this place without knowing that he's a person and that he is God. And for just a moment, I want you to listen to four passages of Scripture where the Holy Spirit is mentioned along with God the Father and God the Son in parallel. And you need to know that that's the, a form of communication that, that the Hebrews would have used, and often the Greeks used the same thing. When they mentioned two things and then they mentioned a third along with it, they meant that all three were the same. They were all parallel. They were all had the same power. And, and, and it's like me saying, me, myself, and I, Right? I mean, all three of those are the same. So just listen. Here's some words from Paul and from Peter and from Jesus. First passage is this. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Peter goes on, or excuse me, Paul writes again in in 2 Corinthians. He says, if it is God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ, he has commissioned us. And he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. Peter goes on and writes this. He says to you, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. And then Jesus himself says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You see, over and over again, when God the Father and God the Son are mentioned in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is mentioned there too, because he is God and he is divine. He, go all the way back to Genesis chapter one and you see him involved in the creation. 
But it talks about the Spirit of God is over all things. So why do we use terms like wind and fire for the Holy Spirit? It's because the Bible uses those same terms. In Acts chapter 1, we read these words. It says, on, excuse, Acts chapter 2, excuse me. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. In John chapter 3, John records these words. It says, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from and where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. You've seen that yourself when the wind's blowing. You can see the effects of the blowing wind, but you can't really see the wind. And, and, and you wonder what's going on. So there's, there's just some really strong insight here of how a divine being acts. Three things I want you to be aware of. Number one, the Holy Spirit can't be contained. God can't be contained. How often the Bible writers pray for people to understand how wide and how long and how deep and how high God's care is for us. He can't be contained. He's hard to understand. There's no breakout room from which he cannot escape. And the minute we try to describe him or bind him is the minute we realize his immensity. And that's true of the wind. We cannot contain it. You can't contain it. It blows no matter what. And this is the picture Jesus is painting of the Holy Spirit. The second thing true is that it can't be controlled. One of our traits as people is we wish to control things. We, we kind of get comfort in things being controlled. But let me tell you, the Bible doesn't say anything about our comfort. It says we can be comforted by the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't say we just live in comfort because we can't control this life and we can't control the Holy Spirit. We just got back from, from Florida and one of, the, one of the places that we went, our guide was a retired firefighter. He pointed off in the distance. He said, see that, see that smoke over there? We used to call that controlled burn, but now we call it prescribed burn because he said too many times when we tried to control fire, it got out of control. And that caused us a lot of trouble. Well, that's, that's the deal here is you cannot control the Holy Spirit. When you try to get him to act the way you want him to act, he doesn't act that way. When you want him to act the way he did the last time you approached into this situation, he may not do the same thing again. But he is God, and he will comfort you going through that time. He just can't be controlled. I mean, have you ever stood in the wind and just marveled at the strength of something so invisible? And don't you love the weather forecasters who predict what the wind might do? How often they get it wrong? Of course, there are rules of physics at work, but... The wind is still unpredictable. And God is that way sometimes too, right? I love what the proverb writer says in Proverbs 36. You can follow along on the screen. It says this, Look, God is greater than we can understand. His years cannot be counted. He draws up the water vapor and then distills it into rain. The rain pours down from the clouds and everyone benefits. Who can understand the spreading of the clouds and the thunder that rolls forth from heaven? So how he spreads the lightning around him and how it lights up the depths of the sea. 
By these mighty acts, he nourishes the people, giving them food in abundance. Read this last one with me. He fills his hands with lightning bolts and hurls each at its targets. The thunder announces his presence. The storm announces his indignant anger. God is indescribable. Holy Spirit is indescribable. Jesus is indescribable. We cannot contain them. We cannot control them. And the third characteristic is can't be caught. We can't catch him. The wind is everywhere. I mean, mean, you cannot reach out and grab it. Sure, our technology tries to change some of the weather patterns today, but in the first century, that was always true. Have you chased dust devils as a kid? I mean, I did it. My kids did it. My grandkids do that. You just, even when you grab a hold, you can't grab a hold of anything. You run right through it. It can't be caught and you can't make it blow. The Holy Spirit is more than a force, more than energy, and more than essence. You can't turn him off. You can't harness him. He's the one who works transformation in our lives. Here's what a greater part of that passage in John 14 says. It starts there in verse 16. It says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Our big idea, know and be known by the Holy Spirit. The next three weeks, we'll take a look at his presence, his promise, and his power because we want to see how he's at work in our lives. Through the grace of God, I pray that during this time in this series that God will give you such a knowledge of the Holy Spirit, such a hunger of the Holy Spirit, such a thirsting after the Holy Spirit that you will come to know him as he has been revealed to us in Scripture. And as you come into a deep, personal, and intimate relationship with him, your life will be absolutely transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. And so it's my purpose during these studies, along with Nathan and Kevin, as we present to you and introduce to you the Holy Spirit. And it's my prayer that you come into a long and fruitful relationship with him and that you will come to depend upon him for your guidance, for your help, and for your strength, for your comfort, and for your power. And I pray that he will come and become closer to you than any person you know. And may you be bathed in his glory. And may you yield to his influence as you allow him to conform you into the image of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me, please? Father, it's in this moment that we're reminded again of your power. Your power is the Holy Spirit. Father, we're reminded again of your presence, and your presence is the Holy Spirit. Father, we're reminded again of your promise, and your promise is the Holy Spirit. We're reminded again that you are a person and the Holy Spirit too is a person. So Lord, in these moments as we worship you, may we be changed by the Holy Spirit as he is at work in our lives. Father, I ask your blessing as we continue to worship now. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's continue to worship.